Good morning. Our message today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. Hear these words. Now while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, Why this waste? For this ointment could have been sold for a large sum, and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? She has performed a good service for me, for you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. By pouring this ointment on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right. I didn't expect that to take so long. Um, <clears throat> I, I want to thank um, uh, our associate pastor, um, Josh Lemons, for um, a great creative uh, sermon series title. Um, and also giving me the easy um, you know, topics like forgiveness and the poor. Tune in next week for what does Jesus say about forgiveness? It, it'll be short. Um, so I want to ask you a question. Are you rich or are you poor? I don't mean in those warm, fuzzy terms like I'm blessed or I'm happy. I mean rich. Let's count them up, okay? Are you rich or are you poor? Uh, are you rich um, in those hard terms of, say, John Houseman's Smith Barney commercial from the 1980s? We don't make money, we earn it. Is anybody identify with that? Are you rich or are you poor? Are you Tony Stark rich or are you poor? Are you desperate housewives rich? Are you Leona Helmsley rich? This is the queen of mean who said, we don't pay taxes, only the little people pay taxes. Are you rich? I mean, like, rich like all three Heathers from the Heathers movie, rich? Are you Downton Abbey, rich? Are you Sharpay Evans from High School Musical, rich? I mean, rich or poor, what camp do you put yourselves in? The likelihood is that few of us are million-dollar rich. That if we think about rich in terms of millions of dollars, we will price ourselves out of the market. We will find ourselves not in the top 1% of affluent here in America. To qualify for that, you got to be bringing in $400,000, have a net worth at least of $10 million, and live in a $600,000 house. I don't think that works for us here. In fact, when you compare that rich with the rest of us, the median um, household income in America is about $55,000 a year, net worth about $70,000 a year. And most of us live in a house roughly around $190,000. When you ask the question, are you rich or, or are you poor? There are so many answers that one could give. But what if we change the measuring stick? What if we go from measuring in millions to measuring in kind of global diversity? David J. Smith 
is his wildly famous children's book, If the World Were a Village, takes world statistics and boils them down to a village of 100 people. If you're playing at home, and I I love Bradford's ability to play with math with um, Anthony. If you're playing at home, a 100-person village gets you down to percentage points. What David J. Smith says about rich in the global village is that um, you're rich if you make more than $6,000 a year. What? You're, I mean, I don't think that's what Kim Kardashian spends on lunch. And I think that's probably close to what um, her husband would like to get in the divorce. That the richest 20% in the global village, they would be people who make more than $9,000 a year. The, the um, poverty level in America is roughly twice that. So when we start deciding who are the poor and who are the rich, I got news for you. We're at the top of the scale. Today's scripture passage is a story of what it means to be rich and what it means to be poor. And it is surprising what Jesus says to us through this passage. And I think it's really good when studying scripture to look at what comes before and what comes after. So we're in Matthew 26, that's towards the end of the book. If we look before um, our passage today, we find that Jesus is talking about predicting his death. He's arguing with the Pharisees. They're getting close to the Garden of Gethsemane and the upper room passages, right? This is getting to the end of the movie if you've been watching the movie. And this comes to that climax of, you know, how the gospel climax story goes of Jesus hanging on a cross. So Jesus is thinking about the end. Now, um, it's interesting, we talk about this anointing woman, the woman who anoints Jesus with perfume. You might say, why in the world are we anointing things? Well, don't forget that Matthew describes Jesus as who? The Messiah which we've learned before from our associate pastor, Josh Lemons, Messiah means anointed. And in the Old Testament, in Jewish religion and culture, the anointed are often uh, priests. We see that Moses anoints Aaron at his ordination, that it is kings, right? David is anointed when he is um, proclaimed king, that uh, there is a long history of kings being, being anointed with oil and perfume and ointment and nard, you name it. Now, there's less biblical record, but prophets are anointed as well. So the story of the anointing woman is a story of, Jesus, of Matthew filling out that Jesus is going to live up to his name, that he is both priest, prophet, and king. And this woman is getting him ready for the end of the movie. Now, Matthew uses the general term ointment, and I want to say that um, I don't ever want to be anointed with ointment. Ointment makes me think of medicinal reasons. You know, ointment may not actually go on your head, it goes on other places, right? I don't want to be anointed with ointment, right? But Matthew is trying to be um, nice. Um, Ma- the story actually happens in three of the Gospels. Um, Mark picks it up from Matthew. Um, Luke spends some time with it. 
I'm sorry, all four Gospels, and John spends time with it. This particular ointment or perfume was, uh, John says, was roughly 300 denarii. Now, denarii, I don't know. I mean, of all the coins that Anthony had, I don't think he had a denarii with him, right? A denarii was representative of one day's worth of wages. And so this alabaster container of perfume was worth a whole year's worth of wages, 300 days. This is no um, tiny, uh, schlocky gift, right? This isn't a participation award. And so, um, generally speaking, I, I love how Matthew doesn't get into the number of dollars it's worth. Matthew just says it's very precious. I'd say so. And so the woman anoints Jesus with perfume out of an alabaster container. I don't, any jewelers in the house today? Alabaster was a soft stone. And so um, containers could be carved out of alabaster. But because alabaster was so soft that you would um, close up the top with the perfume inside of it, and the way that you would open the container, this affluent container of a year's worth of wages of perfume, is you break off the top. It's a one-time use container, and she anoints Jesus. Now, there were times when people would anoint themselves. There were times when um, anointing was talked about as a blessing. There are even times when the dead are anointed, I would assume for both practical reasons and other reasons. Here in our gospel story, Jesus, the Messiah, is anointed by a woman, and his disciples say what? What a waste! We're going to give that to the poor! Oh, you, you woman, you just didn't know what you were doing. And Jesus replies. She knows exactly what she's doing. She's anointing the Messiah. She's preparing him for burial. She will be talked about long after the rest of you are forgotten. And then he says, the poor you will have with you always. Oh my gosh, full stop. What does Jesus mean by the poor you will have with you always? That's a strange expression for Jesus to say. It's almost like it lacks a second part, right? It's almost like it's, um, you know, the Lord be with you, and then you say, and also with you, right? You expect kind of the poor will always be with you, and then you, you want something like, and we'll take care of them, right? or something, right? Um, one commentator says, that this particular part of Scripture that Jesus is quoting from the Torah, that in the same way that I could say sticks and stones, and in your head you say um, the rest of the phrase, right? Sticks and stones. Uh, that was less than unified than I was expecting. But you proved the point. <laughs> that so too when Jesus says, the poor you will have with you always, that the part that is left out is the rest of the Deuteronomy uh, passage. It's uh, Deuteronomy, let me look here and make sure 
I don't tell you a fib. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses seven through 11. If you'd permit me to read it to you. If among you, one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within the land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. For the poor you will have always with you in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. That's powerful, right? What Jesus was saying was, don't pay attention to the poor in the corner, you're stuck with them but rather he was reminding that when you are in the land, the land of milk and honey, the land which the Lord your God gave you, you didn't even earn it. Remember, open your hand and be generous to the poor. That's powerful. But really what Josh has me up here to describe and to talk about is what should a Christian do when confronted with a panhandler in Houston or a cold caller calling you in the middle of your particularly favorite show, asking you for uh, money for the homeless, or maybe when you, know, you show up at church and the preacher's preaching about money again, what should you do? What do you do when confronted with those who have needs? Well, I want to tell you, there's a lot of different ways to approach this. My particular way to approach this is to begin with Matthew chapter 10, verses 6, where, where Jesus is giving instructions to the disciples as they head out two by two. And Jesus says, see, I'm sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and as innocent as Oh, not as loud as I thought it was again. All right, I'm giving you no more parts for the rest of my sermon. The fill in the blank was doves, wise as serpents, and as innocent as doves. So over the years as a pastor, um, I have worked to give others what's needed. When I served a church inside the loop in Houston, we gave out bus tokens because the primary need was for the poor to be able to get to services and also to be able to get to job interviews and able to get to the jobs they needed. So we gave them bus tokens. Um, I have uh, worked as a pastor out in the Beaumont area where at that church we put together mana bags, a gallon bag with hygiene items, snacks that were nutritious, and information about where to find other resources. Some of you know from your Bible study that manna was what God caused to fall from heaven to feed the Israelites while they journeyed out of Egypt um, you know, 40 day, uh, for 40 years uh, in search of the Holy Land. I do have to confess though, I have recently decided that I will not give money to panhandlers um, inside Houston. I have watched too many investigative reports that have positioned cameras, that have watched the men and women that come, seen the um, uh, 
let's see, the status of the cars that drop them off, watch them walk to the convenience store to purchase beer, uh, or um, one uh, particular investigative report estimated that one man at one um, uh, intersection inside Houston near River Oaks was able to clear $20,000 a month, 20 times 12. I don't think he's poor in terms of the global village. And so I want to be as um, crafty as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. So I would much rather be reminded at the stoplight to be sure I double what I give to the food basket or that I spend some time volunteering at Brazosport Cares or I make sure I send that check to Habitat for Humanity, that I give money who care for the poor who I trust and who are doing it with biblical principles. But there may come a time when I might decide that it's time to go back to giving at stoplights because there is such a need. At the end of the day, what do you do with the poor? What do you do with the poor? Do you avert your eyes? Do you um, roll as much as you can so they can't stop where you are? Um, Do you hope that you only go out um, to Houston when it's raining and so no one's panhandling in the rain? I don't know what you do, but I know what I do is that I try to care for the poor with an open hand, much like Scripture says. Now, some of you are looking at me with skeptical eyes, and and I get it. It's okay. Um, Some of you are questioning whether I did my homework. You're worried that I don't know what I'm doing. It's good. I'm all right. You don't have to believe in me. Uh, But know that I am confident in this. You don't have to trust me, just trust Jesus. When you look at what Jesus did throughout his life, he gave to the poor with an open hand. Uh, From the beginning of his conception, his mother Mary sang, he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. You can see Jesus fulfilling his own approach to the poor when he feeds the 5,000. Now, you can say it wasn't a miracle. It was just a kid realizing he had to share his lunch. I don't care. Either way, in today's culture, it's a miracle. 5,000 people walked away having fulfilled Mary's song that they were sent away, not empty. You could also then continue to think through to uh, the church, to um, the uh, early church, that um, small, insignificant, irrelevant group of Christians that gathered in house churches that were the sum total of what we would call the church. Chapter 4, verses 34 to 35. Or from time to time, those who sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. What do we do with the poor? With an open hand and with generosity, we care for them because we live in the land that the Lord our God gave us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.